Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. And welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. And for the next few minutes, please stay with me. As always, we're going to have some time of motivation, inspiration, education, with absolutely no, I mean, no trickeration. No, we're not here to fool you. We're not here to con you. We're not here to do anything like that. Just to give you accurate information that will help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. And, and if you can do that, if we can accomplish that together, then you have the freedom and the privacy to orient and adjust to the plan. That's up to you. But my job is to communicate accurately God's Word to you. It is a show about the Bible, but no ranting and raving, like we say, no, no jumping up and down here. We're just going to tell you the facts, give you the information. God the Holy Spirit can capture that information if you listen, if you pay attention. I communicate it, He captures it, and you can comprehend it. And then the big question is, will you convert it? Will you use it? Will you put it to use in your life? And so as we go through this show, I want to remind you that last week we started a show dealing with communion and what was the essence of the communion table, what did the cup represent, what did the bread represent. We talked about the virgin birth of Christ, his celebrity ship, his impeccability, the fact that he's king of kings and lord of lords, the fact that he's undiminished deity and true humanity in one body forever called the hypostatic union. We talked about when you take the bread that you should remember those things, that you should remember these unique, five unique things about the person and the work of Christ is the cup. The cup is the work of Christ. That's his spiritual death on the cross, the blood that he shed for you when he went to the cross and died for you. We'll talk more about that today. But the five things we remember when we sip that cup and we bow our head and we pray, we remember how he removed the barrier between God and man. We remember that imputation of his righteousness imputed to us. We remember that we are justified now. We are just as if we haven't sinned at all now. We are sanctified and set apart to a royal family of God and redeemed. As these doctrines, and hopefully your pastor has taught them to you, if he hasn't, I feel sorry for you. You should know these things. You should understand these things so that when you do take a communion, as the Lord Jesus Christ said, this do in remembrance of me, well, what exactly are you supposed to be remembering? Most people kind of daydream through communion, and it winds up being ritual without reality. We don't want you to do that. We want you to understand why you take communion, what's important about it. And today I'm going to attempt to explain to you how you can come under self-inflicted discipline by taking communion the wrong way, not following the protocol plan of God. Before we do that, I want to say thank you to those of you that are listening throughout the country, especially been getting letters and calls from California all the way over to New York this month. And I thank you so much. We'll continue to broadcast throughout the 2017 year if the Lord allows that. We've always believed if God's in it, he'll pay for it, so you don't hear us asking for money. We pray and ask the Lord to provide our needs, and he always has faithfully done that without us having to go to you and beg you for any money. We would never do that. If he doesn't pay for it, we shut it down. So as we go through another year, we ask for your prayers and your encouragement. And your, If you want to write to us, you can always do that. 
You can always contact us. Go through the website. It's rickhughesministries.org, rickhughesministries.org. There you can request any of our material. You can request any of the books that we've written. We've just, uh, a friend of mine just completed translating one of our books into Chinese, and now we have a book in Chinese going out across China. And uh, we have a lot of material available. It's always free, no charge. All you have to do is take a look at it, ask for it, even video messages where we've spoken in various churches around the country. All right. So now let's dig into our subject here this morning, if you'd like to hear it. What does the Bible say about self-inflicted discipline from doing communion the wrong way? Is there a right way to take communion and a wrong way to take communion? The answer is yes. Protocol, the protocol plan of God, demands that a right thing always be done in a right way. Can you do a right thing in a wrong way? Yes, you can. Is a right thing in a wrong way ever right? And the answer is no, it's not. A right thing must be done in a right way. Many times you've heard me say that prayer is a right thing. But there's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. And so the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So regardless of how much you pray, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, the Holy Spirit is quenched and grieved, and he cannot intercede for you in the prayer. And that prayer is not going to be answered. And so that's one of the reasons that prayer is not answered. There are several reasons why prayer is not answered. We've taught that to you before. But in this passage in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 31, you should read that for yourself. Here's basically what Paul said, and I'm going to read it to you now. For I have received of the Lord, and he's, by the way, he's talking to the church at Corinth. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For he, for excuse me, for if we would judge ourselves, We would not be judged, verse 30 says, because of this, many are weak, many are sick, and many are asleep. Let me read 29 and 30 and 31 one more time. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Because of this, many are weak, many are sick, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Here is a mighty strange passage concerning communion. How many times have you taken communion this year, last year? How often does your church serve communion? Here's a question I must ask you. Does your pastor explain to you what you're doing? Or is it just a ritual that has no reality to it? 
It is imperative that any pastor who offers communion to the congregation must tell them, number one, what is expected of them during that communion, and number two, what they are doing. It's not just a ritual. In this particular passage that I read to you, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 31, Paul, the apostle, is addressing the disorder in communion services in the church at Corinth. He recognized the Corinthian believers had been making this more of a drunken feast and showing rudeness in the eating of the meal. So he went on to give a detailed report of what happens to those who abuse the communion service. And my question that you must answer is, have you ever abused a communion service? And if so, has this been a source of divine discipline in your life? Could this be the reason right now that some things are not right, some things are wrong, why you're suffering right now? Could this be the reason why? Notice how Paul recaptured what the Lord did with the disciples on the night of their communion. Here's what he said, 1 Corinthians 11:23. For I received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you. In other words, what he taught the church at Corinth is what God the Holy Spirit taught him. He understood this, and he's reteaching it to them. And so our very first principle is that any pastor worth his salt must first learn the Word of God before he can teach the Word of God to other people. A pastor must know doctrine before he can teach doctrine. And pastors must be careful to teach accurately what Paul is about to discuss in this passage. It's critical. It's my experience it's not being taught today. And in my way of thinking, this is the reason for much of the suffering in the local church today. There are a lot of right things that are being done in the wrong way. Things like church prayer, things like communion, things like giving, all legitimate things, but they all can be done in the wrong way. And a right thing done in a wrong way is always wrong. So ritual without reality is exactly why the church today has so little impact in society in some circumstances, some situations, not always. Paul goes on to say this, and when he had given thanks, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, he, Christ, broke it and said, take and eat, this is my body which was broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Then he went on to say in verse 25, 1 Corinthians 11, And in the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes, looking back at his sacrifices and looking forward to his return. Let me give you some principles here. Communion involves two elements. It involves the bread, the cracker, the wafer, ever how you do it. And it involves the drink, the, the um, little grape juice that you drink in the little cup. These two elements are symbolic of our Lord's substitutionary death on our behalf. That cup is symbolic of his spiritual death 
or what I'm calling his association with our sins by means of a judicial imputation. In other words, God judicially imputed all of my sin to Jesus Christ on the cross. And he judicially imputed all of your sins to Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's why 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he, that's God, made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that, or in order that, we might become the righteousness of God through him. The only way you can have equal standing with God is to have equal righteousness with God. And the only way that you can have equal righteousness with God is to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to your account. Romans 3.22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, for there is no difference. You cannot have a self-manufactured righteousness. That's relative righteousness, and it does not impress God. The only thing that can impress a perfectly righteous God is perfect righteousness. And so that's the only way you can get it, is through the believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and believing in his sacrificial death on your behalf. And now we have a mandate. In 1 Corinthians 11.24, you'll see the words, take and eat. This do in remembrance of me. Listen again. 1 Corinthians 11.24, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, take it, eat it. This is my body which was broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Take is the verb lambano in the Greek New Testament, and it's an imperative mood verb. In the morphology of this word, that, that means this is a command. This is not a request. And eat it, the word phago, another command, another aorist active imperative. These verbs, both of these verbs are critical because this is the mandate for those disciples to do this, and it's the mandate for you and I as well to take communion. Why? To remember me. This do in remembrance of me. Remembering me. To remember or to recollect what he is and what he did. How can you recall something that you don't even understand? How could you do that? If you don't understand his virgin birth, his celebrityship, his impeccability, the fact that he's the only king of kings and lord of lords, the fact that he is hypostatic union, how could you remember how the barrier between God and man is removed and how imputation and justification and sanctification and redemption, how all of that relates to you? And you say, that's not important for me. That's for the preacher to know. No, it is for you to know. Everything in the Bible is for you to know, not just for the preacher to know. No preacher is, is set apart any higher to God than you are. They're not any closer to God than you are. You are a believer priest. You are a member of the royal family of God. For you to think that some pastor is closer to God than you are is goofy. If he's in fellowship and you're in fellowship, you're both spiritual. Spirituality means he's in fellowship, you're in fellowship. Now, maturity 
is a different story. Maybe he is a more mature believer. That means he has more knowledge of God's Word than you do. But that doesn't mean he's closer to God. It has nothing to do with that. So when Paul said, Jesus said, do this, take it and eat it and remember me, and as often as you do this, you show or you teach by analogy. That's what communion is. Communion is a teaching seminar. It's teaching by analogy the Lord's sacrifice on the cross and the fact that he will return for his saints. Now here's the problem. In 1 Corinthians 11:27, Paul writes these words. Whoever shall eat this bread and drink the cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. The word unworthily means in an unworthy manner or an unfit manner. It's the Greek word anexios, and it means in, in an unfit way. How do you take communion in an unfit way? It's very simple. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, you are taking communion in an unfit way. Remember this, that we are mandated to be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5.18. When I sin, remember that we quench the Holy Spirit and we grieve the Holy Spirit. And so if I'm in church and I'm going to take communion and I have unconfessed sin in my life, then the Holy Spirit is quenched, the Holy Spirit is grieved, and I'm about to do a right thing, which is taking communion, but I'm about to do it in a wrong way, which means I'm about to do it in the energy of the flesh. I am not filled with the Holy Spirit. I have quenched the Holy Spirit. I have grieved the Holy Spirit, and now I'm going through a ritual without any reality to it because I'm doing it in the energy of the flesh. Any pastor must warn his congregation before they take communion. Do not do this out of fellowship. Do not put that piece of bread in your mouth and do not drink this cup if there's unconfessed sin in your life. There will be a problem if you do. What do you mean? Just about what I'm going to show you here. You must be in fellowship when you take communion. The pastor must give you an opportunity. Now, and let me ask you a question. Does your pastor do that? Does he say, ladies and gentlemen, before we have this communion service, we're going to bow our heads, we're going to close our eyes, we're going to give you privacy, and you have a few moments now to look to the Lord and name any sin that might be in your life. Well, suppose Deacon Jones hates Deacon Smith, and they've been in an argument, and they somebody shafted somebody in a business deal, or Sister Margaret hates Sister Mary over there because her cake was better than her cake, or whatever, you know. When that person goes to God in prayer and admits their sin, Father, I have been angry with my brother. Father, I've been angry with my sister. I've been out of fellowship because of my attitude about this. Then they are restored to fellowship. They are filled with the Holy Spirit, and taking communion will not be getting under discipline. Now, they may, after communion is over and before they walk out the door, get out of fellowship again. They may sin again before they get out of the church house. But at least for that minute, if they will go and admit that sin to God, they will be in fellowship. That doesn't mean they'll never do it again. It just means they will be in fellowship. Eating the bread, drinking the cup unworthily, 
means you drink the cup, eat the bread with known sin in your life. Remember the problem in Corinth was the people were making communion or the Lord's Supper a time of overeating, getting drunk, rather than a time of reflecting on the sacrifices of Jesus Christ. And protocol demands that you do a right thing in a right way. It has to be that way. So taking communion while you have known sin in your life is a grounds for divine discipline. Even more so, it appears, than coming to church with known sin in your life. Yes, if you come to church with known sin in your life, you've quenched the Holy Spirit and you're going through the ritual with no reality. But if you take communion, well, that's a different story. You do it unworthily. What does he say about that? When you do this unworthily, you are guilty of the body and the blood of our Lord. Oh, my goodness. Have you thought about that? Do you understand why it's so important for some pastor to warn the congregation, don't do this if you're out of fellowship? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's confess any known sin to God before we take this. Protocol says it has to be done in the right way. No one should ever take communion until they're sure they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and the pastor must make this clear. So, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight: let a man examine himself, and then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let a man examine himself, dokimazo, the Greek word dokimazo, let you test yourself, scrutinize yourself, and then recognize whether or not you are genuine after the examination. It's like looking at a gold coin in the ancient world to make sure it's the real deal, not something counterfeit. You've got to make sure you're in fellowship. Examine yourself. Look at yourself. So here's three things to do. First of all, before communion, rebound. Rebound is problem-solving device number one in the protocol plan of God. It's the number one problem-solving device on the flat line of your soul. If we confess our sin, 1 John 1, 9 says, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to purify us from all wrongdoing. Rebound is critical for every believer. There's not a day in your life that you won't use rebound. And you don't do it just when you go to bed at night. That's crazy. When you sin, don't put it off to 10 o'clock at night and get down beside your bed and say, now, Lord, forgive me for all of my sins I did today. That's crazy. When you sin, you break fellowship. When you sin, you become carnal. When you sin, you quench the Holy Spirit. You confess sin immediately. So before communion, it's very possible on your way to church, you and the wife got in an argument. You and the husband got in a disagreement. You and the kids got to yelling and shouting at each other. Maybe someone in traffic drove you nuts and cut you off and did something obscene and you got all mad and all all angry. Now you're in church and now they're about to give you communion and here you are, out of fellowship, sin in your life. Rebound, even if the pastor doesn't tell you to do it. Even if he doesn't have enough common sense to teach his congregation this, you bow your head and you rebound before you take that communion. Check to see if you have unconfessed sin in your life. It's easy to do. I do it all the time. I just bow my head and say, Father, if there's sin in my life, reveal it to me. Show it to me. Let me know what I am. 
The Holy Spirit will just pull the shade up, and you'll see it. And you'll go, yeah, you're right. I did that. You must keep a short account of sin. And so, rebound. Look and see if there's any unconfessed sin in your life, and then clear the decks. Let's get it clear. Let's get it out of the way. Because if you fail to do that, it can result in divine discipline. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, because he does not discern the Lord's body. Damnation. The Greek word krema, or from krino, it means to judge, to, to, to declare punishment, to judge someone. Like, don't judge, lest you be judged. When you take communion with sin in your life, you are judging yourself. You are placing a sentence upon yourself. You are declaring yourself guilty, and you're going to get whopped. 1 Corinthians 11.30, For this reason many are weak, many are sick, and many sleep. The weak asthenes is the Greek word. It means feeble, sick, without strength. That's warning, discipline from God. It always comes in three stages, warning, intense, and dying. Warning discipline, for this cause many are weak, taking communion out of fellowship. For this cause many are sick, arostas, sickly, constantly under the weather. That's intense discipline, always sick, can't seem to get well. And many sleep, koimao, it means to be dead or to be deceased. Taking communion out of fellowship perpetually can take you to an early grave. When's the last time pastor told you that? Never. 1 Corinthians 11.31, For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged, parentheses, by God. Judging yourself is critical. You must understand that. Don't wait around for someone to point it out. You name your sin to God. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Admit your sin to God. And then when you take communion, when you put that piece of bread in your mouth, you can remember his virgin birth, his celebrityship, his impeccability, the fact that he's king of kings and lord of lords, and he's hypostatic union. And then when you put that cup to your mouth, you can remember imputation, justification, sanctification, redemption. And you can glorify God, celebrating the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the anointed Son of God, our Lord and our Savior. Don't embarrass yourself by taking communion unworthily. You will bring discipline to yourself if you do. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Floodline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054 or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.